boundaries are not something that we use to change other people's behavior. Boundaries are not something we even set with other people. Boundaries are something that you set between you and you. Boundaries are the bridge between you back home to what it is that you value, that you know to be true, that you know gives you life. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health, and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Fain, and together we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Why, hello there. Welcome back to Messy and Magnificent, or who knows, maybe this is your first time joining us. And if it is, well, you're right on time, because this is one of my favorite conversations. It's your gal, Carly, and we are talking about perhaps my favorite B word, boundaries today. (laughs) So I was talking to a friend recently, and I said, hey, how are you doing? And he gave me one of the most honest answers right off the cuff. I couldn't believe this came out of his mouth. I said, how are you? And he said, Carly, I am an emotional octopus right now. (laughs) You can expect an email from me shortly that says, hey, are you an emotional octopus? And here's what he meant. He went on to explain. He's got some big stuff going on in his personal life, things that are heavy and tough and need to be tended to. And He's about to launch a brand new business that has been years in the making. And that, of course, takes significant time and energy. And he said, look, I've got one tentacle that tends to my emotional needs. I've got one tentacle that's tending to the launch of this new company. One tentacle is planning what I'm going to have for dinner. And the other one is planning on picking my recently graduated from college daughter up soon. Right. And I just loved that analogy. Right. And that he understands that we're not individual tentacles. We're one whole being. And we have this opportunity to reach out arms into different directions. And also that we might need a little extra emotional rest right now. Here's why I'm talking about this. So many of the leaders that I work with are really feeling the fatigue especially as we enter this, you know, kind of second delta wave of COVID. So if you have been the rock that other people lean on, the voice of reason, the support system, the sound listening ear, and you are feeling what I've been calling emotionally hangry, like just the sense of not quite being able to put a finger on what you need, but feeling like you need something. This conversation today around professional boundaries Whether or not you consider yourself a professional might be exactly the conversation to be in. It reminds me of this, actually. I have a client who's a lawyer and a mother, and she recently asked me a question about, hey, Carly, how do I set boundaries with a family member that wallows and gossips and vents and complains and just generally goes negative? I find I just don't have the bandwidth for that right now. And here's the thing about setting really what are emotional boundaries, even in a professional setting when this type of thing crops up, is that creating emotional boundaries requires us to have the courage to be honest with ourselves first of what we are actually capable of in any given moment. 
Because I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to guess as a listener of Messy and Magnificent that you're a learner, you're a seeker, you're a grower. I mean, that's who listens to podcasts, right? (laughs) Folks who like new information or thinking about things in different ways. We like to do all the things and we like to help other people. But realistically, I have come to find that I only have eight tentacles. (laughs) I can't do all the things all the time as much as that causes me frustration or disappointment from time to time. The truth is... When I am honest with myself about what I am actually capable of, I am able to operate at my fullest in the world. When I am giving away more than I need, that's when things get tricky, both at work and off the job. So once a month, we do this live Q&A and coaching session in the Boundary Academy, the school that I run that helps women upgrade their boundaries where current students and alumni of the Boundary Academy can ask me questions and we get to do this rich laser-based kind of coaching that's really focused on what's coming up for them in real time and supporting them where they are. And also just really rich, honest dialogue. I always feel like I walk away from those sessions also as a student learning a few new things. And this week we got five spectacular questions in there. And here's one of them. One of the women in the Boundary Academy who joins us from Europe said that her boss has major control and perfectionism issues. And she was wondering, how am I supposed to set a boundary with somebody if they're my boss? I mean, how do you have a conversation about what needs to change if you report to that person? (laughs) Well, I love this question. And today we are going to cover exactly how we do that. And while this conversation is relevant to our workplaces and the boundaries we might be needing to set, either around emotional needs or anything else right now, it's also relevant to the boundaries we might want to be creating with family members and other loved ones or peers and colleagues, people that we have to be around after we set the boundary. So here's what we're going to cover specifically today. Number one, we're going to go over two questions that we need to ask in order to know what kind of boundary makes sense in your specific situation. So this is an incredibly valuable foundational assessment that we do right out of the gate that tells us what type of boundary is going to be appropriate. This takes a lot of the guesswork out of wondering what you should be saying. And then number two, we're going to get specific with examples of how you might phrase your boundary at work or outside of work with a boss or somebody else that you report to or are related to, or you might just have to keep being around after you set your boundary. I find having a boundary script or some language in our back pocket incredibly helpful, especially if we're caught off guard. It helps us know what to say on the spot. So if you are feeling like you need a little extra space, a little extra rest, if you're feeling like resentment is bubbling up, a sense of fatigue, a sense of being underappreciated or overworked, this is the episode for you. Because all those are just symptoms. They are not signs that something is wrong with you. They are signs that you're ready to be in the boundary conversation. So before we dive in, this is the part of the show where I get to pause and give a shout out. And today I want to give a shout out to Dana LeMay and Sari Gilman. Both of these women are boundary pros who are joining us on Messy and Magnificent this month. Sari is a family therapist and a boundary expert, and she joined us to talk specifically about setting boundaries with family members and what's effective there. 
And Dana is the head of school for the Boundary Academy, somebody that I am such a huge fan of and honored to work with. And she came in to share what it's been like for her on her own unique boundary journey, going from boundary beginner to boundary pro, and what works when navigating that transition. And both Sari and Dana shared a very similar thought in their interview, specifically about learning to upgrade our boundaries and how it is far more possible. And it happens at a much faster rate if we do it in community. So thank you, Dana. And thank you, Sari, for joining our Messy and Magnificent community and sharing your profound insights. If you're listening in, I cannot wait for you to hear these episodes this month. But if you're listening in as a listener too, I just want to pause and thank you also. You are part of this community. You are part of this movement of women who are done sacrificing themselves and who are the first perhaps in their family or in generations to be able to consider their own needs in the conversation of wanting to see everyone do well. In other words, including yourself on the list of people that you want to see do well. And so we're pioneering this together. So head on over to iTunes and leave a review for this podcast so that I can give you a shout out on an upcoming episodes. Or if you want, just open your phone right now and record a brief voice memo about something you found interesting on this episode or another episode and email it over to Anitza at everybodythrive.com. That's A-N-I-T-Z-A at everybodythrive.com. There's a link to that also right here in the show notes, wherever you're listening. And we can add your actual voice to an upcoming episode. Your thoughts and your questions are incredibly valuable. And every time a woman sends in an iTunes review or a recording of her thoughts, another woman reaches out to thank me because it's exactly what she was thinking about too. So I encourage you to be that person. And I thank you for being part of this community. The only thing better than reclaiming our time and our energy by upgrading our boundaries is upgrading them together. Speaking of get together, I hope you'll mark your calendar and join me live on Monday, September 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern time for an online boundary panel. I got to come up with a cooler name for it than that, but I am super excited to be inviting some of my favorite experts in the territory of boundaries from around the world to join us for 45 minutes of rich, interactive conversation about what does and doesn't work in the territory of boundaries. So this is a totally free event, a really great opportunity to invite a couple of your best friends to join you. They will definitely thank you for being on their team for this one. You can RSVP at carlyfane.com forward slash panel or via the link right here in the show notes. And I would love to be hanging out with you live there soon. This episode is brought to you by the Boundary Academy. 15 years of coaching thousands of women has taught me that it doesn't matter how good our plans, our intentions are, our network, or even our access to external resources. If we don't have the boundaries we need to honor what we care about, we will always struggle with a lack of time, or energy, or money, or downright satisfaction. You see, women who have thriving, healthy careers and relationships know that boundaries aren't just something nice you get to later. There's something you practice gently now so that you have the later that you want. 
so you can get free access to the recording of the Boundaries Brunch we did right before the Boundary Academy opened. There's a link to it in the show notes wherever you're listening or head on over to carlyfane.com. And in this 45-minute class, you're going to learn the three mindsets that women with healthy boundaries already know and live into, plus lots of rich, candid conversation with thought leaders in the field of boundaries and women who are just getting started. There's nothing for sale in there. (laughs) Just rich content you're not going to get anywhere else. Because that hunch you're meant to be doing something meaningful and enjoyable with your life and career, it's right. I hope you'll join me and women from around the world that are making having boundaries oh so doable. So let's talk about first the big picture. When I say big picture, I mean two foundational questions that we need to ask ourselves in order to know what kind of boundary makes sense in your specific situation. So remember the example I gave at the top of this episode where I mentioned somebody saying, okay, my boss is a bit of a control freak and a super perfectionist. How do I talk with this person about boundaries? How do I change this? The first thing we need to know right out of the gate, and this is something I learned from Nancy Levin, real thought leader in the territory of boundaries who came in as a thought leader in the Boundary Academy with us recently. We have to consider, is this a reasonable person? Did you catch that? That question and the answer to it is huge (laughs) because the way we approach boundaries with a reasonable person is very different than the way we approach boundaries with somebody who is unreasonable. Now, I want to point out that it's not black and white, right? Somebody can be incredibly reasonable in some areas and totally unreasonable in other areas. So we want to look at, is this person in this specific area reasonable or maybe not so much? And I'll give you an example of this from somebody in the Boundary Academy. She's been talking with us consistently about how her father has always been an unreasonable human being. She loves him deeply but it is virtually impossible to have a conversation with him where he doesn't escalate, fly off the handle, and everybody ends up shouting expletives at themselves. And she has seen a tremendous shift into a much more loving and present relationship with her dad when she realized that he's unreasonable. And this isn't about judgment. This is just about realizing what types of conversations he's going to be capable of having with her versus her ex-wife. Her ex-wife happens to be an incredibly reasonable human being. And sure, they still have to have conversations around boundaries, but she's gotten clear that she can share more information with her ex-wife. She can be more vulnerable and more clear and even make requests of her during a boundary conversation because she is a reasonable person. So first things first, before we go setting any kind of boundaries, I want you to think of a place where maybe a boundary might be necessary and consider, is this a reasonable person that I'm dealing with? Now, number two, and I'm going to talk about this specifically as it relates to your workplace, but this is really relevant in terms of relating to your friend relationships, your family relationships. I mean, heck, your place of worship or other communities you might be part of. The question we're going to ask here, is this a psychologically safe workplace? I'm going to say that one again, too. Is this a psychologically safe workplace? Now, here's what I mean when I say a psychologically safe workplace. You know you are in a psychologically safe workplace where you hear phrases that sound like 
somebody leaning in and saying, hey, I've got this crazy idea. Let me just run it by you. Tell me what you think about this. Or, you know what? I disagree with this approach. I think we should try it another way, and here's why. Or people might say things like, oh, no, I can't beat the meeting at that time, or I can't take this project on right now, but I could do it later, or I could delegate it to somebody else, or could you handle it yourself? Those are all signs that you are in a psychologically safe space where people are able to speak authentically and honestly. They share their best ideas. They're willing to go out on a limb. And they tell the truth because they know you can all handle it. Now, a sign that you might not be in a psychologically safe workplace is a great meetings are a great place to look at that. So if you have a meeting where one person or a small group of people dominates the entire conversation, everybody else doesn't say much, the end of the meeting rolls around and you all say, great, good meeting, see you next time. And then everybody files off in silos into their little pockets of people and talks trash about what a terrible meeting that was. And these things like, oh my gosh, that person is such a jerk. Can you believe what they just did? Or can you believe they talked to me like that? Or they talked to somebody else like that? Or this idea that they brought up is terrible. It's never going to work out. And here's why. Those are all signs that it's not a psychologically safe environment because people don't feel like they can speak up honestly and openly. So I bring this all forward because knowing about whether or not you're dealing with a reasonable person or not, or a psychologically safe environment or not, makes a big difference in the way you're going to articulate your boundaries. And I'm going to say something a little bit bold here and bear with me, but I'd be remiss not to say this. If you are aware that you are in relationship or in a situation around somebody who is unreasonable and there's nothing you can do about that, or in an unpsychologically safe environment and there's nothing you can do about that, meaning there's not an HR department who can step in or there's not somebody else who can be an ally and shift the situation, then it is time to begin to hatch your lean back or straight up exit strategy. And I mean that even if we're talking about your career. Now, I'm not a quick, hey, something's not working, quit your job, walk away, throw caution to the wind, tell them you're out of there kind of person. Not at all. Especially if you've got responsibilities, people count on you, you need to pay your bills, or you don't want to have a big gap in your resume. But you need to begin to hatch an exit strategy, even if that strategy is five years long, to begin to think, oh my gosh, this place is not psychologically safe. I cannot be me. I cannot do my best work here. I just need to acknowledge that first and then we'll begin to unpack it and then we'll begin to hatch a strategy. And I mean it when I say, leave your questions if you've got them around that on your review on iTunes. I am happy to go deeper into this conversation with you or join me for a live event sometime or go to my website and we'll unpack your specific situation. But the first step first is just to acknowledge the truth of what is. And as much as we would like to, us recovering perfectionists control every situation The thing is, we can't fix other people's behaviors and do our best work at the same time, especially if that's not our profession or what we were hired to do. So that's the first step. If you realize you're in an unreasonable, the presence of an unreasonable person or not a psychologically safe situation, but if it passes litmus test and you realize this is a remotely reasonable person or a remotely psychologically safe environment, Well, then it's time to have some phrasing about how you might articulate your boundaries. But first things first, 
There is an awareness that we must be clear on. Boundaries are not something that we use to change other people's behavior. Boundaries are not something we even set with other people. Boundaries are something that you set between you and you. Boundaries are the bridge between you back home to what it is that you value, that you know to be true, that you know gives you life. So this isn't about how other people are going to respond to your boundary because A, we find in the Boundary Academy that most people do respond well, reasonable people that is, and those that are unreasonable may not respond well, and that's actually a sign that you're doing it right, (laughs) that you said the thing that needed to be said, that you're protecting what needed to be protecting, whether that was your time or your energy or your body or whatever else it is. And so when we talk about boundaries with other people, and I do encourage you, if this is the first time you're having the boundary conversation, to go back and listen to some of the earlier episodes we've done on boundaries. When this one is done, I'll put links to them in the show notes. But first things first, it's important to be aware that we're not going to use boundaries to tell other people what they're doing wrong. And so in the workplace example that our friend from Europe brought up here, the issue is her boss is a control freak and that she's a perfectionist, which probably means she's making them redo work again and again and again that they've done in order to do it better, better, better in an inefficient way. And she's micromanaging her and that's not working. Now, we're not going to say to your boss, hey, stop micromanaging me. It doesn't work for me when you do that, right? Or we're not going to say to your boss, oh my God, you're such a perfectionist, you're driving me crazy, I need you to stop being a perfectionist. (laughs) You can imagine how that might not go over well. And also, it's not taking responsibility for the fact that we are the one that needs the boundary. So this woman in this example is the one that needs the boundary. Her boss doesn't need the boundary, she does. And so when we do articulate a boundary out loud, we're always going to use I statements. So in this scenario, let's make up the example here that this particular woman is aware that being asked to change the work that she's done multiple times just gives her way too much work to do, and it's incredibly inefficient. And so one thing she might say to her boss is, okay, I hear that you want me to redo this. I am totally happy to do that, but I have this other thing that also needs to get done. You tell me which of these things is more as a priority right now, and I'll jump in and do that one. Do you see how the boss still gets to be the boss of the work decisions, but The worker in this case is the boss of making sure that she is not going to have to sacrifice one project for another or work overtime in order to get things done because she is clear about what she's willing to do. She also might say things like, it's important to me that I leave on time or I'm going to have to leave on time this week. I'm happy to redo this project. What would you like me to swap out and reprioritize so that I can do this for you? Or would you like me to just reschedule this for another time. Now, another example of how this employee might deal, have some language around the control issue part is saying to her boss, hey, I noticed that you have a lot on your plate right now and I could totally rock and roll with this. Do you trust me to do it and then just get back to you if there's any big parts that I need your thoughts on? Or do you want me to check in with you consistently? Because I think it'll take more time if I check in with you and I want to protect your time and my time. But either way is okay with me. You just let me know how you want me to use our time, right? So again, there's this awareness of, I'm happy to do this thing, but it's going to mean that it has to be done during my specific work hours, right? And thus, what needs to be the priority here? 
And so she's articulating what her work hours are and a reminder to her, this is when I'm available to work and this is when I'm not. Another thing that's really important here is that when we say our work hours out loud, we are the ones who have to stick to those work hours. So let's say you say, okay, I work until 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. When somebody emails you at 5.15, you need to not respond to that (laughs) until your next working hour. It's actually on us. People will email and call of all hours of time and day. It's on us to protect the time. So we only set a boundary out loud if we are prepared to have the back of our boundary. Other people don't push our boundaries. Other people are being themselves. We are the ones who push back on our own boundaries. And so it takes courage, right? And it takes thoughtfulness here to pause and consider what is it that I need, that I am responsible here for here, and how can I articulate out loud how I am going to be responsible for that thing? In this case, making sure that the office is efficient, that work gets done in a well-prioritized order, and that it happens during the appropriate work hours. So I want to know from you, we just covered a lot here in terms of considering, is this a reasonable person or not? Is this a psychologically safe environment or not? And if it is, the language and the mindset that we bring to the table when we set a boundary, I want to know from you, what part of this conversation is standing out to you? Or do you have a boundary question that's now bubbling up as you hear this? Take that baby on over to iTunes, I mean it, or send a voicemail to Anitza and tell me and I will speak right to you in an up coming episode. I cannot wait to go deeper into this conversation of boundaries. We've got stellar guests coming up, but between now and our next episode next week, remember, you thrive through nourishment, not punishment. Keep taking care of what you value, including your emotional and professional boundaries, and I'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else.